Our scripture today comes from Luke's Gospel, the 19th chapter. As we come to God's word, let us pray. As children cuddle up on laps to hear stories, so may we now relax into your embrace, O God, and listen to the great gospel story of your love. Amen. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see Jesus, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This week, a woman I didn't know named Teresa called the church. She said, I just can't stand it anymore. It was a Tuesday afternoon, so at first I assumed that she was calling for financial assistance. Every week on Tuesday afternoons, neighbors in need call the church for direct help with their utilities. Jarrett takes time to hear each story And the church then sends checks to places like Duke Power, Owasa, Piedmont Electric. We give an average of $40,000 a year, which comes from the pastor's discretionary fund, which is outside of our annual budget. It's above and beyond what you might be pledging today. Teresa said, I can't stand it. I'm so lonely, so, so lonely. I can't stand it. So I was wrong. Teresa didn't need help with her bills. She felt so alone that she had called 988, the suicide hotline, and when they determined that she was safe, they suggested she call the church. So she called this one on a week where we are telling the story of Zacchaeus, who found belonging in the grace of God. It's hard not to hear the song when you hear his name. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. See, you can't not sing it. But I love how Frederick Beekner describes Zacchaeus. He says he's a sawed-off little social disaster with a big bank account and a crooked job. But Jesus welcomes him aboard anyway. 
Now, mind you, in the chapter just before this one, Jesus tells the parable of the rich young ruler and ends it by saying it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. But enters, Zacchaeus does. Jesus makes his message abundantly clear, speaks it loudly against the soundtrack of the grumbling crowds. Salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house. He, too, is a son of Abraham. He is included. He belongs. This, of course, is what Zacchaeus needs more than anything else. And what we need, too, it seems to me. Otherwise, we just can't stand it. The late neuroscientist out of Chicago, Dr. John Cassiopo, said that the only real biological advantage that we humans have over other species is our ability to be in relationship. We all have a need to belong. And our hunger for belonging, it's not a neurosis, it's not an ego-driven thing, it's part of our DNA. We are built for it, physically and spiritually too. I think this is why St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. It's how God makes us. I was reminded of that this week when Paul Burgess, who is our Presbyterian campus ministry pastoral resident, was trying to help our college students process the horrors of the news in Gaza Strip. Paul reached back to our theological origin story in Genesis. He shared a piece of Jewish midrash that he had heard in a conversation between a rabbi and an imam. The Midrash goes that on the sixth day of creation, which was the first day that Adam and Eve are alive, when it grew dark, Adam got really scared because he had never seen darkness before. And he started to scream and weep. And Eve came over and just sat next to him and cried with him all night long, until the dawn came. I think that's what the church is for. We're a community that sits together in the dark and points to the light, trusting that it will come. Next weekend on All Saints, the youth of this church and the adults will sing an anthem together. I apologize to Joey if this is a spoiler, But I want to tell you about this gorgeous descant line. Katie Edmondson and Avery Hughes will sing it together. And it says, there's no such beauty as where you belong. If you have ever been falsely told that God does not have room in God's heart for the likes of people like you, people who look like you or love like you, But here at the Lord's table, you have been fed freely and fully by grace. Then you know that beauty. If you have ever stood at a grave aching with grief, 
but somehow, from somewhere, deep down, have been able to trust that even in death, even there, we belong, then you know that beauty. If you've ever given away parts of yourself or twisted yourself into who you thought you were supposed to be for fear of not being accepted, but then finally awakened to your own integrity, the image of God inside of you, then you know that beauty. There is no such beauty as where we belong. And you do. Listen to me. You do. So I won't be the only one weeping when that anthem floats over us next week. This week, of course, is Stewardship Dedication Sunday, where we commit to being the kind of place where such belonging happens. You heard Katherine Hauser talk about the way you've included her as a young parent, usually on the very back pew at 8.30. People around her picking up Chloe's tiny toddler shoes when they inadvertently roll under the pew. You heard Abigail Bozemski talk about coming out of her shell as a teenager at the age of her prayer partner, Betsy Bryan, seven decades her senior. Today you'll hear from Eric Munson, and he'll invite you to pledge your time and talent and treasure to make this place a place of belonging for others. A place where these children leading us in worship will grow up knowing that no matter what, they fit here, at this table, at that font, around this word, with you. There is, I just lost my place, hold on. Okay, I'm going to do it. (laughs) So what I want to say is that if, if belonging to the church is all that matters, then we've made this promise too small, right? Zacchaeus may have been a wee little man, But fitting in is too wee a thing. So remember with me the story of Zacchaeus. He he climbs a tree, right? Which he probably hadn't done since he was, what, 12 years old. He shimmies up a sycamore. And he is a professional man. When's the last time you saw a professional man dressed in clothes, perched in a tree? And then he goes on to talk about how he gives away his money. So in Jewish law, it was expected 
that if you frauded someone, if you stole something, if you took what wasn't yours, you owed some restitution. And voluntary restitution was that you paid back the original amount plus 20%. There was a next level of restitution where you would double the amount that you took. But Zacchaeus, he gives four times the amount back. And then on top of that, he says that he gives 50% of what he owns to the poor. Not 50% of what he took, but 50% of all that he owns. Jarrett and I, in our practice of giving, struggle to get to a tithe, a 10% giving. And Zacchaeus does 50%. So it seems that what's happening here is that Zacchaeus is sticking out, right? We thought that this whole thing was about how Zacchaeus fits in, and he does. But the story also is describing the way that he's actually quite odd. There's a direct line, I think, between his belonging to God and being a child of Abraham, of God's beloved people, a direct line from that to his generosity and his choices and his practice of being odd. I think it's one of the great paradoxes of our faith. Because when we are secure in our true belonging, we find freedom to live out loud, to stand on our own apart from the crowd, to let our no be no and our yes be yes, when playing the chameleon is often so much easier. When we're secure in our belonging, we're able to do what's right, even if it's unpopular, to choose generosity even when everyone else is accumulating more for self, to welcome the other, though we've been conditioned to be skeptical. We can do all of that, or rather God can do that through us when we remember that we belong. When I finally realized that Teresa was not calling for help with her utilities, I listened to her for a long while. And then I told her about you and how she would be most welcome here. That you even forgive preachers for losing page five. I told her that together, what we do is we, we sit and we sing and sometimes weep and look for the light and tell stories of God finding the lonely and the lost. Church, there is such beauty in our belonging, but may it also make us odd, living lives that stand out, lives that refuse to abide by the status quo and instead change the world around us, lives that say thank you. May it be so. Amen.